0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in episode 213 of the Get Around Podcast. Uh, We got a good one for you uh, today, and this is just simply based off the interview alone. We talked to uh, Jim Nagy uh, a little while ago, Traverse City Central grad, former NFL scout for the Packers, Seahawks, Patriots, and Chiefs, uh, and he's the current executive director for the Senior Bowl. Uh, Really, really great conversation. We chatted with him for about a half an hour, uh, even when I said we were going to give him. I was gonna be like, uh, well, 12 to 17 minutes, I think that would be, and I think in the 12 to seven or the that range, uh, we were able to get about three questions in. So he was very good talker. Yeah, which was great, which uh, an interviewer loves when the interviewee is like, yeah, let's let's talk about this, let's answer answer these questions. He was great, Uh, really uh, candid and uh, enjoyable to talk to told james shortly after i would love to have him back on the show and even do an episode where it's just an hour talking to him because uh he just had that much information he was he was really good uh coming up a little bit later in the show we are going to kind of address what james wrote in his sunday column the difficulties of playing prep sports and covering prep sports uh, during the quote-unquote quote spring in northern (laughs) michigan uh pretty sure The rain has turned into snow at this point. It's uh, about 2 o'clock on Monday. Uh, We're stuck in the podcast room with no windows, so we can't see the outside. But it was kind of moving in that direction while I was driving here. Um, We'll talk about that. I also want to talk about the upcoming Sunday feature uh, that I am writing uh, about the uh, undercuts in uh, basketball. Um, You have the head coach out of Boyne City, Randy Calcaterra, who is uh, kind of making an initiative Uh, and talking to coaches around the state about this issue of players going up for uh, a dunk or a layup and having a defender undercut their legs right out of them and has been causing some serious issues, including Randy's son Alex uh, putting his uh, teeth through his lip and uh, having I'm sure having a concussion, although I think they said, I don't know if they did the concussion protocol with that, I would imagine they'd have to, uh, but some pretty gnarly injuries. Uh, when I've had a chance to talk to, I talked to Randy and Alex. Uh, I also talked to uh, L.J. Mead out of Grayling. He had uh, two players, actually two guests, uh, on the pod: Caleb Call and Dylan Crag. They got undercut this season, uh, and so we'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah,
1: well, this video. The Craig one is there. Dude, I heard and the it's, video. And is it's not good.
0: Nasty. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he really got undercut.
0: And then for our Get Around Hall of Fame, since uh, we don't have any athletes playing right now, uh, we're just going to kind of go over the upcoming all-region teams uh, that we have left to go over. Still coming out uh, in the next uh, month or so, we'll have wrestling, hockey, girls' basketball, and boys' basketball. So we'll get into that. Uh, and then we'll end the show, as we always do, with uh, well, just the two of us, the Duo Lipa. And excited to talk about that, even though, as of right now, I don't really, I don't have a category yet. I'm not really sure what we're going to talk about. Me either. We'll think. We'll figure it out on the way there. We'll put our noggins together. We'll come up with something. So, James, I'm glad that you wrote that column yesterday uh, about spring sports because it perfectly plays into what I wanted to talk about this week. Uh, You said that you had a chance to talk to Tom Passano and kind of get an update on where baseball lies and within that also where softball lies and soccer because – there's all this moisture in the ground, a lot of frozen underground, and when that melts, it's all coming to the surface,
1: and conditions are going to be pretty brutal. Yeah, the conditions are just not good, and, and it's, you know, it gets warmer during the day, and everybody's like, oh, it's, you know, it's in the 40s, and you know, maybe even getting close to 50, and all the snow's melting and everything, but you're like, oh, this, the ground is still wet, and it's getting down into the 20s overnight, so it's freezing, so it's not going anywhere. It's not going away then that melts in the day and maybe some of it goes away but you're not getting rid of as nearly as much as you probably think you are so i you know these groundskeepers at high schools and colleges all over just got to hate this yeah That's they are
0: uh, you know they're saints for for having to deal with that i i will say this i'm hoping that we get to a point where it's just warm and then it's warm for the rest of the spring sports season because as a reporter there really is nothing worse than being outside when it's freezing cold. I covered a baseball game uh, at my last job where I, for, I don't know why the umpires did it. Was a, it was a baseball game. It was like March 28th. And they're like, yeah, it, sure. It's blowing 40 miles an hour. It's snowing. It's so cold. And they're like, nah, you know what? We're gonna. And I thought after four innings they were going to call it. Because in Illinois, four innings is an official game. For for baseball, and I was like, "Cool! All I got to do is get through four innings. Let's go!" And then fourth inning comes and goes, and we're still playing. And I, I, I was not happy with that officiating crew.
1: Yeah, I, nobody wants to do that. I mean, it's bad enough in football, but at least when it's when the weather's usually brutal like that in football, you're in playoffs. And you're so the just games mean a little bit something more.
0: And you just expect it because you have you you just went through the warm months so it had been warm right you're expecting it to get cold yeah. but here we've been going through the cold and we're expecting it to get warm and it's not and so it just it makes you want to move and speaking of that how, why has everyone been on spring break in florida or arizona or everywhere warm like our Except guests, us our guests from the last the last two podcasts and even before that every source that I have called, I'm not, I am not exaggerating. I'm telling you 100% every single source that I have called for a story in the last two weeks has been on spring break and has been somewhere warm. Every single source. Mm-hmm. I even made a joke to one of them who I thought would still be in the area. I went, ah, you, you're on spring break down in Florida like everybody else? And he's like, yep. I'm oh, I look out my I look out into my backyard, and there's snow.
1: Yeah, yeah for that Olivia Bellows story, um, the Lake City player who played for the Division Three National Champion Hope Women's Basketball team, I, I tried to text her high school coach to see if I could get a hold of him, but I already talk to the college coach. And so I texted Bill and I'm like, hey, can I get a couple comments from you about, you know, about, clo- about uh, um, Olivia? And, uh, and he's like, well, we're down at Disney right now uh, waiting for the fireworks. can i get back to you tomorrow
0: well i i I gotta
1: say a a big shout out
0: to uh jason bradford and grace bradford uh they were at universal studios when i did the interviews for uh her being named to the first team uh on on all all state last week uh jason was really like i heard roller coasters and screaming in in the background while i was doing that interview uh so the screaming wasn't dora uh, you know what? They probably put her on the railroad track or the roller coaster tracks. I wouldn't wouldn't put it past them. But you're gonna come back to the story a lot. Oh yeah, for the yeah. next year. And I think it's people. awesome. Yeah. So just uh, everywhere, everyone seems to be warm, except for us. And I know this is what we sign up for. I get it. I know you live in Northern Michigan. This is what's gonna happen. But I, I've been here for I don't know, almost six years, and. I'm. I'm I still don't get it. I, it still gets to me, and it still bothers me.
1: Mm-hmm. No. And we've got like, I don't know, a, at least a dozen games scheduled for tomorrow. Baseball, softball, soccer, even a tennis match. And yeah, I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say pretty much none of that's gonna get played if unless that local. tennis match is inside. Yeah, if it's local. Uh, definitely not being played. I don't think Bay City John Glenn's tennis is inside, so I'm going to say that doesn't get played.
0: Do you have any re- recollection of a play- or, or covering uh, a game like I had to do in a blizzard? Were there any like within spring sports?
1: Has there ever been one where you're where you were wondering why is this happening? I've, I've, I remember covering a soccer game one time, like because unless it's unless there's lightning out. They're playing, unless they think that the field conditions are absolutely unplayable, like it's just a, a, a swamp and the players are slipping and falling everywhere or something, um, which you sometimes run into when you have a, still a layer of ice frozen underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be really dangerous for soccer. Um, but I remember covering a game, uh, a girls' soccer game, that was just freezing. And I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it might have been all Rapids. you know, and all the players had the long sleeves on and... and Gloves. Were they still running around in shorts? I think so. I think some of them had like, uh, you know, like the spandex on underneath, kind of underneath the shorts and stuff, just to kind of stay warm. But you know, and you had the ones that I think there were people that had a lot of people wore the headbands to keep, try to keep their ears warm a little bit. Yeah, and stuff.
0: But I, I've got to imagine that the athletic directors they plan and prepare for this every single. Every single year, oh yeah, like they've got to, they got to know. They're like, well, there's a good chance that we are either just going to be canceling,
1: postponing, and trying to reschedule, or these games just aren't going to happen. Yeah, that's why they're all they're all non-conference games, the ones that are happening these next few days. Um, none of them are, are league things or anything, and uh, you know, some teams like Frankfurt, Frankfurt softball, they just take their spring break, they take the whole team down to Florida and play some games down there. Look like, that's our spring break every year. It's a good they plan. Get, they go down there, they scrimmage against some teams from Florida or other teams that are doing the same thing and get a weekend in outdoors and then come back here and probably can't do it for two weeks. Right. And I, I think, you know, I, I wrote a
0: story that I, th- I ran Saturday about that, uh, the new Boyne City Fieldhouse, and that sounds incredible and it also sounds great. For Boyne City Athletics, during times like this, when mm-hmm. they can go practice inside on a full baseball or softball field, uh, and they'll have a full soccer field, they've got they've got like removable turf that they they can put in and out, and it it seems crazy. That is such it's going to be such an incredible facility, and the uh, and the wrestling team will finally have a home.
1: Yeah. Instead of in the basement of so Central Office.
0: Yeah. I don't know if it was in the basement, but it was a
1: room at Central Office. Yeah, which is so weird to me that, that, that the wrestling room would not be at the high school, even. Well, they just didn't have the room. Yeah. That's crazy. So I wonder where they... I wonder how they did that. Did they have separate mats then for the one that was at the Central Office and the competitive mats that they keep at the high school? Or do they move them back and forth? There's no way they were <laughs> moving those back and forth. <laughs> I can't see how you'd move those back and forth. That would be ridiculous.
0: But uh, Justin Perkins said that they've got four hundred thousand dollars to buy new mats and new padding. So that's good news for them as well. Nice. Boynton City does have a, a fairly uh, robust wrestling program, or you know, especially with uh, Lydia Kraus coming out of there, and she might she might come up in the uh, all region team. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Probably. Probably, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Despite our complaining, we are looking forward to covering spring sports. Once track and field gets underway, baseball, softball. Once, once it warms up and it stays warm, we're going to be very happy until it gets hot. And it's too hot. And then we're complaining again. Because
1: that's, that is the nature of us. True. Usually about district, baseball districts' time... When I go to cover some districts, and I forget to take some sunscreen and get a, like, grade three sunburn. I had one time in Boyne City. A couple years ago, St. Francis was in districts up in Boyne City. And I was there all day. All day shooting this, covering this baseball district. And I got so sunburned so bad like the first thing i had to do afterwards i'm like i'm not even writing my stories i'm not doing my photos i need to go to a store and buy some aloe yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh it was so red
0: all right so i wanted to move on uh just quickly here uh james i don't know if you have seen it happen uh or, or ben i've had it described to me several times these, these undercuts that we're seeing uh, in basketball games, the coaches that I've talked to, players that I've talked to, they seem to, they're saying that it's just its happening more and more in, in northern Michigan and becoming more and more dangerous. And what Randy Calcaterra from Point City is looking for is stiffer punishments, you know, instead of just uh, a flagrant one um, or a technical foul or anything like that. They, they want, if, it's, if it definitely seems malicious, if it's a hit below the waist on the play and if the player isn't going for a play... They want him tossed, like, out of the game. And I feel like that seems to be only fair, especially because if one of those players gets hurt enough, like Alex did, where he had to come out of the game and they had to spend minutes cleaning up his blood off of the basketball court, I really feel like, yeah, that kid that did it to him shouldn't play the rest of the game since the one that he did it to can't.
1: Yeah, and you're talking also the, like, really big concussion potential in those things too because a lot of times like with injuries. dylan like with dylan i think when he got cut underneath him he, he kind of came he went backwards you know so a lot of times they hit the they hit the court on their back and the head snaps back just like in football that's like prime reason to get a concussion um i never had this happen to me because i think you have to be able to jump to get undercut so uh i've never had to worry about it yeah neither of you have that problem, but uh but a lot of these word. uh not a lot of these uh, high school players in here, and we're seeing a lot more kids who can dunk now than in, than in previous years, Just just even more than just 10, 20 years ago. I mean, it just didn't happen up here.
0: That, that's what L.J. Mead out of Grayling and, and Randy out of Boyne, that's what they said. They're like, players up here are getting more athletic, and the other players and taller. Aren't, aren't used to seeing it, so they don't know how to properly defend. Uh, You know, sometimes it's out of, you know, just ignorance and I would not in like a a, a bad way, but just not knowing. And so now I really think it's going to be inherent on the coaches to really start teaching that and saying, this is not right. We can't do this. You wouldn't want it done to one of our players. You can't be doing it. You know, if it's if I was the coach, I'd be like, it's two points. It's two points. Yeah, he's got to break away. Give him the bucket. Just give. Yeah, it's two points. It, that is not worth the possibility of some kid landing on his head, breaking his neck, and, and being paralyzed uh, for the rest of his life. I just think about. Like it could result in serious serious injuries. We're lucky that it hasn't yet on that scale, or at least that we know of. There's a good chance that uh, you know I should probably just do a little bit of research online and and find out. I bet there are there have been some really bad injuries.
1: Um, bunch of, a bunch of coaches that we know would help us find that pretty quick. Um, I think. I think though too that uh, if you're going to, if you're also going to increase the, the penalties for that, it it should also be like a goaltend. You whether them whether two they points. made the bucket or not, give them two points.
0: Yeah, make or miss. I, I think you're right on that. The just like a goaltending call, a foul that hard. Bucket, two free throws, and the ball back, and that player ejected. Do you know how yeah. quickly do you know how quickly undercutting is going to stop if that's that's the case
1: and yeah. how and they're going to ha- they're going to have to define it too. But I mean most of these things of undercutting you see the angle that the player takes there's no way for them to get to the ball. So if you can't get to the ball then then you're undercutting. Yeah, and it seems like a lot of times it's just the
0: the def- defender wants to make sure that the the other player isn't going to be showing them up by uh, slam dunking the ball. Yeah, And well, I think they just have to get used to it because both LJ and Randy said, it, we, we don't see it as a problem downstate. We've talked to downstate coaches. They don't see it as a problem because all of them are dunking, right? But it's up here where dunking isn't that prominent. I mean, dude, you wrote about a game where there were five slam dunks. You go down downstate, if you don't see five dunks in every game, you're – you're not, something's wrong. So, it will be interesting to see what the MHSAA uh, says about this. Uh, Randy is putting together film. He's getting uh, of examples of this from several coaches. Uh, he already said within just the first couple of weeks, he had he's had a lot of coaches send him film. Mm-hmm. He's then going to present that to the MHSAA and try to get a rules change uh, and see what happens. Because you just, you don't want these kids getting hurt. Yeah. I, I I, I don't see how there's – we're not supposed to be biased, right? I know we're supposed to be straight down the middle, and I think that's fine, but I think we have a little um, editorial liberties when we're doing this podcast. I just don't see the other side of, of this, where they're like, yeah, we we're we against trying to make the game safer.
1: Yeah, and I, and I just don't see – if you're a defender and you don't want to get posterized, just take a step back. Yeah, get out of the picture. Just get out of the the picture because you aren't going to block that shot anyway. If a guy's got to step on you and is tall enough and athletic enough that he can dunk, he's going to dunk. Just let him dunk.
0: All right. Well, look for that uh, coming up on Sunday. Uh, I'm really excited about that. Um, Reaching out to the MHSAA, hoping to get some kind of – Clarification or update on, on where they stand on it and, and what they're waiting for, but uh, it should be a good one, so look for that coming out Sunday uh, in our sports section. But for right now, I want to get into our interview uh, with uh, Jim Nagy. Uh, great one, about a half hour long. You're really going to enjoy it again. Uh, Jim uh, is the uh, current executive director for the Senior Bowl and former NFL scout, so let's listen to that right now. <music>
1: Um, well, we've got Jim Nagy, uh, the director of the Senior Bowl, with us here on the Get Around, and uh, welcome in welcome into the show, Jim.
2: Yeah, fellas, thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for taking some time out from your. Uh, I imagine it's got to be a busy schedule for you. Uh, I mean, and leading up to the game has got to be crazy, but even in be, before the draft, it's got to be busy for you, right?
2: Yeah, it's uh, December, January is nuts. This is this is a lot better than than that, but uh, no, it's still busy around draft.
1: Okay. Um, well, a lot of what we're going to talk about is uh, kind of Detroit Lions focused, I guess, because that's probably what most of our listeners are are interested in. Maybe what the Lions are looking at, what what you would do if maybe if you were in their shoes or whatever. So I guess the the big thing is the number two pick. If you were the Lions, would you rather have Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau
2: or Trayvon Walker from Georgia? Why don't you throw him in there? Uh-huh. Uh, he would. Uh, I mean, I, I would I would take Aiden of those guys. Um, you know, you never pick a player because it'd be popular with the fan base. You never want to do that and reach for that reason. But uh, this just kind of lines up perfectly for the Detroit Lions. I mean, again, you never draft guys to sell tickets because if you don't win, you're not going to sell tickets anyway. So you got to get you got to find guys that can help you win games, and Aiden can do that. Uh, being a hometown boy is uh, you know a cool story, but most importantly, he's going to help them. He would help them on the football field. Uh, they need pass rush uh, desperately. You know, they've got. to... A couple good guy, a couple good young young guys inside with uh, McNeil and, and uh, Levi on words, Zirike, um who was in the Senior Bowl last year. But uh, yeah, they need edge help, so I would I would go Aiden if that were uh, if if those were the choices.
1: You did a much better job on pronouncing Levi's last name than I did than I ever would. Uh, I'm
2: not even gonna take a chance at yeah, it. Yeah, I bet you're happy that you didn't have to take a chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it came, came with a lot of practice. I butchered it plenty last year on game time.
1: Now, the Lions have a lot of names like that that they've drafted over the last year, last couple of years. Melafanwu and Owariye.
2: Yeah, all those guys were senior bowlers, too. So I've had, uh, I've had my hands full over the last couple of years trying to pronounce those guys.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what, what's the biggest difference between uh, the Lions coaching staff did the, did the senior bowl this year and then they also did it in 2020 uh, with Matt Patricia? What's the big difference that you noticed between the Patricia coaching staff and the Dan Campbell coaching staff?
2: uh man that's a good question you're uh, different personalities up at the top you know matty p and i worked together in new england um known him a long time uh he and dan are just different different guys though and the different the the different dynamic this year was we had the uh you know they promoted from within it was kind of something league office wanted to do for for a career development for the coaching staff so uh you know dan campbell appointed um Deuce Daly is the head coach, the acting head coach during the week, so Dan was able to actually kind of take a step back and was in more of a supervisory, advisory role um, during the week. He was really just evaluating his guys in elevated roles. You know, they uh, they bumped a couple of guys up into the coordinator positions that, that aren't coordinators. So, uh, but, no, they were great. They were great to work with. Their support staff was really similar to uh, the group that came down a couple years ago. So like Tim O'Neill, their equipment guy is a good buddy of mine. We we worked in uh, Green Bay together back in my first year in the NFL in 1996. So I've known, I've, I've known Tim O'Neill for about 25 years now. But no, they they did a great job. They brought great energy. Um, I'd say probably the biggest difference in this staff was there's a, a ton of former players on Dan Campbell's staff, and a number of those guys actually played in the Senior Bowl. So, uh, you know, from a messaging standpoint to our players during the week kind of Competitiveness and and uh, everything like that during the week. That staff did a great job. Kelvin Shepard, their linebackers coach, Antoine Randall L. Um, you know, I heard those guys speak to the team after practice on a couple different days, and uh, just brought a lot of juice to the week. Uh, it was a really spirited week of practice, really highly competitive. Um, so yeah, I was thrilled, man. And Dan Campbell's—I've never met Dan before. You know, the NFL is a really small league, so when you work in it for for a couple decades like I have. You get to you get to know everyone. Was a guy that uh, I never crossed paths with, never worked with on a staff, and never heard a bad thing about him. You know, everyone I and mean, what what everyone said about him came through when he was down here for the week. Just a really easy guy to get along with. Um, you know, just uh, did a great job. He's he's put together he's put together a good staff. I'm excited to see what they can do here uh, coming up in year two.
0: Now I know that we. Talked about this, you had mentioned it uh, right when we started the podcast. I'm curious to know if we'll get away from kind of the draft just for a question here. Uh, it, you've, you're busy, and you admitted to being busy. How do you balance that with a personal life and a family, and being able to kind of have both uh, equal, or maybe one even even more? I, I, because it is such an intense job that you have to put all of this together while making sure that you're you're visible.
2: Yeah no it's it's a juggling for sure Um, you know it's the same thing as working in the NFL there's not a great quality of life for for guys on the football side of the operation Uh, whether that's coaching or scouting it's just um, it's a real grind and that's why you're seeing guys probably get out of it a little a little earlier um, than in the past to see this thing's gotten really intense when I first got into scouting there was guys on the road that were you know 70 75 years old still scouting I mean. If I jump back in the league right now, I'd be at 47 years old, one of the older older scouts in the league. It's gotten really young um, because it's so so uh, so taxing. But uh, no, it's just a it's just a balancing act. And again, I this job, uh, the reason I took the Senior Bowl job, you know, almost almost uh, four years ago now, was a family move. It was a family decision. My family was down here in Mobile, Alabama, um, and it did it did allow me for more time with my family now this job has grown immensely over the last four years. I mean, we've, we've added a bunch of things during the week. We've really tried to increase our profile nationally to be more of a, you know, a, a national media, um, you know, thing as well. Um, so, yeah, it's it stays busy, man, but no no complaints. My kids are staying busy. My wife's busy. Um, so we just, we make it work. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, talk about that transition. How is it that you went from Traverse City to – scouting in the nfl i mean you you worked for the the packers the chiefs the seahawks and the patriots you happen to get into the four pretty good franchises
2: yeah no it's uh guys it's i always people always ask how i got into the nfl and, and again i it's just something i wanted to do since i was a little kid uh you know my dad when i was real little you know he was coaching football in frankfurt um so grew up around the game and then when we moved to traverse city um you know, I just by chance befriended Josh Sellers, who at the time, his dad was the, the head coach and, you know, kind of legendary coach at St. Francis there. And we were, I mean, I stayed the night at the Sellers house or he stayed the night at our house every night for about, see, every weekend night, it seems like for about seven years. Um, and uh, so just grew up around the game and loved it. And, uh, you know, I, I knew I wanted to work in the NFL. I, I, you know, watching the draft as a young kid, I it, Something about the team building aspect of it really appealed to me. So I I really had a one-track mind from the time I was probably like, I don't know, seven, eight years old maybe. And then, uh, you know, the hard part was growing up in the, the, you know, the 80s, the late 80s and early 90s, you couldn't just Google, couldn't Google anything, you know, with no internet. Like I knew where I wanted to go in life. I didn't, I had no idea how to get there. So, you know, my only options out of high school were to go play small school football uh, there in the state or uh, go to Michigan. And at the time, they had a sports management program. So I just figured, again, kind of blindly, like, man, that's how people must get in the NFL. Uh, go get a sports management degree or something like that from, from a school like like a football factory like Michigan. So um, that's kind of where I, I blindly led myself down in Ann Arbor and, and uh, you know, worked, worked with the football team my last couple of years there and then. You know, sent a bunch of resumes and cover letters out to all the NFL teams. And, and uh, the only the only call I got was from the Packers. So, um, very fortunate to get that, that internship in Green Bay back in 96. And just like anything in life, you, you know, you get your foot in the door. You got to kick it in and work hard and, and get lucky along the way. And, and you know, thank God I, I was.
1: Yeah, you, you definitely got lucky because that was a Super Bowl season for the Packers, correct?
2: Yeah, yeah, that was uh, a... <laughs> That was a fun year. Yeah, Brett and Brett Favre and Reggie White and that crew, Desmond Howard. I mean, that was uh, a really fun year, really fun year. I actually lived with one of the guys on the team. He ended up being at my wedding, still one of my best friends to this day. It was just a really cool, tight-knit team. It's a really unique place to work, um, you know, because it's such a small market. So, uh, yeah, it was an incredible year, incredible year.
0: I know it's a stressful job. But I was wondering, since it has been a dream of yours since you were a little kid to work in the NFL, do you ever step back, take that moment, and go, "I'm here, did it?"
2: Um, not, not, not yet, 'cause I don't feel like. (laughs) Um, you know, my 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 goal is to become a general manager at some point. Again, I'm really happy at the job I'm at now. This senior bowl job has been a blast. Um. Been able to kind of, you know, build an operation down here and, and, and put my own fingerprints on it. Um, has been a ton of fun, so I'm not even looking at that, but, um, you know, that's always been the goal. But no, it's just, you know, get it, it's it's been very rewarding, I'll say that. Um, uh, but again, I just I'm not the type of person that ever feels like I've gotten where I need to get to yet, but uh, it's it's been a ton of fun. I've worked with great people, um, all the Super Bowls I was a part of, that was just, you know, that's part of the luck. I ended up with teams that. You know, had had Tom Brady and Russell Wilson at quarterback, so <laughs> you're uh, you're fortunate when you land in a situation like that. So no, but but great learning lessons, and um, yeah, I still feel like you know at 47, there's still there's still a lot out there that I want to I want to I want to attain.
0: Well, would little seven year old Jimmy be happy with where you're? If you were to tell your you know your young self where you're at, would he be okay?
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Like there are. I mean, there are some times where I sit back and appreciate it. No, I mean, I. I didn't want to come across like I'm not. Sad. No, there's there's times where I'm like, man, I can't believe I'm doing this. Um, no, it's been it's been like when I was a little kid, just collecting football cards and stuff. Like I I saw my name on the back of a football card a couple of years ago, like being quoted about a Senior Bowl player. And I'm like, that's so crazy. That like, um, you know, growing up up there, there used to be a farm out on the peninsula, Underwood's Farms. And uh, we used to go out there in the fall and get donuts and cider and all that stuff. And they used to sell football cards there. And I remember they were like a quarter a piece. And I'd come home with like four packs for a buck and rip through those cards. So, yeah, there's like, there's different, I mean, that's just a little moment. But, yeah, I mean, there, and, and again, I'm staring at a picture on my wall here in the office uh, with my son on my shoulders on the field after the uh, Seahawks Super Bowl, and we beat Denver, and confetti's flying on us. Like every time I look at that picture, I can't believe it happened. Um, so yeah, there's. I, 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 yeah, if you would have told uh, the seven-year-old version of myself, I, I think he would be he would be doing cart cart cartwheels or backflips or whatever <laughs> whatever you want to say.
1: Yeah, I think so too. So has anybody else taken this path to becoming a general manager, be- directing the Senior Bowl as a as a way to? to jump into there?
2: Um, really in reverse. The guy that I... That my predecessor, Phil Savage, actually had this job. He, he'd been the GM in Cleveland. And mm-hmm. uh, and then when he was let go in Cleveland, he took this job. Um, and then when he left four years ago... So no, there hasn't been anyone that's made that jump, but... Uh, so
1: you're hoping to be a know, pioneer?
2: May, maybe someday. But again, I'm, I'm... Guys, I'm so focused on what we're doing here. We got so... We got so this is like truly a year-round thing. I mean, we've got we've got so much going on. Like, I'm not even I'm not even letting my mind go there. I got I got way too way too much going on here to, to think about the NFL or anything like that. We I'm just really excited about this year's draft class and seeing all this group does and where our numbers come out. Because to me, everyone asks like, what's a successful Senior Bowl? And uh, there's a lot of different metrics, right? I mean, ticket sales and sponsorship revenue and all those things, but for me, like the football side of it, it is what gets me most excited. Um, obviously, the bottom line in any business is very important, and I'm very cognizant of our bottom line too. But um, as a football guy, I'm always interested to see how April comes out. So uh, I think we could have 50 of the top 100 players drafted. I think of the you know we got, I kind of measure it like first three rounds of the draft and how many guys we have because if we're going to have a successful game with some star power in it. Uh, we need guys in those those top hundred picks, um, and we've been around forty uh, my first three years, and I think we're I think we're going to roll past that in April. At least I hope we will. Uh, we've kind of done our projections to see where where we'll be with those numbers, and I think we could get to, to double digit first rounders this year, and and uh, hopefully over fifty in the first three rounds.
0: Uh, you you talked about getting the Senior Bowl on the national stage, a little more attention from the national media. Is there anything else uh, within the Senior Bowl that you'd like to see changed or improved, or is that kind of the the real focus right now? Is is getting that word out and getting more attention?
2: No, and when I say like national platform, I know like we really hammered social media in the last four years. Again, one, it's been I I just wanted to pull back the curtain. Um, our game process and let people see like behind the scenes and you know how we select our rosters and, and all the work we put in so um and, and recruiting um social media has been a huge recruiting tool for us as well connecting with these players i mean they i've got a 16 year old son and, and you know he's on his phone all the time as are these players so um and i know in 2018 we had 18 million impressions between um the senior bowl social Twitter account and my Twitter account that I just kind of started that year. I'd never, never been on social media before I took this job. And, uh, this past year, 2021, we were at 362 million. So we have, uh, we have, that is, that has really helped. I know there was a lot of snarky comments like four years ago. People had common comment sections about, you know, who cares about your little game and things of that nature. And, um, we certainly don't get – there's always going to be snark on, on Twitter, <laughs> for sure, uh, but let, very a lot less of those comments nowadays. So, no, that's that part's been a huge focus. There's a lot we want to get done, guys. I mean, you know, I talked about Dan Campbell kind of shuffling his staff, and we also added two HBCU coaches to our coaching staffs this year. Um, Tyrone Wheatley, the great Michigan running back, being one of them. And, uh, and he got a job at the Denver Broncos like a week after the Senior Bowl. So that that program is really – stepping up. Uh, We've got a scout school program that we've done for three years that we do just for former NFL players, trying to create more of a pipeline for players back into the league and the front office roles. Um, And so we're going to have that in June. So really beefing up that program and trying to make an impact there with minority hiring and and former player uh, initiatives. So there's there's a ton. There's a ton. Then we've got a, a celebrity golf, charity golf event in June in conjunction with our Hall of Fame that's going on at the end of June. So there's there is a lot out there, but in terms of growing this thing, um, yeah, I mean there are some events we added HBCU Combine this year, the first ever HBCU Combine, kind of in conjunction uh, with the NFL League Office, kind of a joint event this year, and, and uh, there's some other events around our game week that uh, you know I have in mind as well. But uh, yeah, so there's 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 still plenty of goals left unaccomplished.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so, uh, you know, when the, the Lions got to coach the team this year, so how much how much of an advantage do you see that as being for a, a coaching staff to be able to be that hands-on in this draft process, given that they're only allowed X number of visits and, you know, only so much access at pro days and stuff, to, to have that hands-on for a whole week with a lot of these top prospects, like you mentioned, like more yeah. than half of the first three rounds?
2: Yeah, it's a huge advantage. It really is. Yeah. Um, You know, when you when you think about the draft process and you really boil it down to make these you know multi million dollar decisions on these players, these teams don't have a lot of time to spend with these guys and figure them out. Now they're in the schools, they're in the buildings all fall, talking to as many people as they can, and you know relying on years years and years uh, worth of relationships to get good information. But in terms of really getting in front of the players and getting to know them personally, it's really a limited window so for what Detroit had this year um you know just getting in front of these guys and being in the meeting rooms I think that any team that comes down here you know with their sleeves rolled up ready to work I mean you take away a lot of observational stuff at practice like how guys bounce back after taking a bad rep or getting beat or you know how they're taking coaching on the field and and um how they interact with teammates there's a lot of that stuff but you know the lions ate three meals a day with these guys they were in the they were in the meeting room so they know how they learn they know how they pay attention um they know how they communicate uh there's just so many key key takeaways that if you don't coach the game you just you just won't get that so i think all 32 can you know obviously gain a lot by coming down here and and And, uh, you know, the interview process and everything. But the teams that coach it, um, they have a huge leg up. And, and again, they earn that, right? I mean, the the league was really smart. The Senior Bowl used to be coached by the two teams that lost in the championship game. And to me, that makes no sense, you know, to reward a team that made it, was in the Final Four, Um, didn't make a lot of sense. Now, and I don't know when this changed. It was probably at least 15, 20 years ago. But to have the, the teams with like, it start at the top of the draft the way the way they do it now, I mean, it just builds into the parity of the league. Um, my first year here, we had the Niners in the game. I think they picked fourth that year with uh, the Raiders and the Niners, and they were in the Super Bowl the very next year. They went from Mobile to Miami in the Super Bowl. And then two years ago, we had the Bengals down here, and they made it to the FC Championship game. So I actually talked to Deuce Staley and Dan Campbell about that. Um, during the week that man you guys a year or two you guys can flip this thing and uh I know that I know they have plans on doing that, but uh it is. It's a really cool mechanism for parity that a lot of people don't think about that can really help a team out. So I, I, I really hope Detroit walks away from this draft and and uh get some guys down here in Mobile to help them win.
1: Now uh, uh you know the the guys that uh teams when they coach like this talk to a lot or pay a lot of attention to can be a double edged sword because they they could be that they have interest in them, but they could also be that afterwards they decide, you know, we don't want this guy. But who are some of the guys that the the Detroit Lions were paying a lot of attention to or seem to be paying a lot of attention to during that week?
2: Uh, yeah, you're, first of all, you're right. Yeah. It's, it's part of, part of the draft process for any team is process of elimination. Yeah. You're trying to find the guys you like, but at the same time, I mean, you're, you're crossing guys off your list as well. That might not fit either your scheme or your culture. Um, I mean, there's 32 different buildings. I've worked in a bunch of them. I mean, every, every leadership group has a different style and things they, things they value a player and a person. Um, so yeah, that part of it is process of elimination. I'm sure the Lions left here uh, with a lot of names that they felt like won't be future Detroit Lions. Um, but then the second part of your question, I, I totally understand the question, but I, I can't, I can't sit here and tell you what players I think the Lions paid in particular interest because that they're paying attention to everybody during that week, you know, and. Uh, and I've I've talked to Brad Holmes, the GM, about about guys that you know they were with down here, but I can't I obviously can't divulge that stuff.
1: So, do you think that uh, this year in the draft that teams will teams will reach for quarterbacks like they always seem to do, or do they wait for next year's draft because it seems to be a much stronger quarterback class next year?
2: Um. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If history shows anything, some quarterbacks are going to go. Um, And again, you got to be careful with what next year's class looks like because we do that every year, right? Like we always, oh well, next year's gonna be great, and then you get to that year and you're like, maybe not so great. Uh,
1: Yeah, like taking for Tua.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, so again, I don't know how great next year's class is. We've already done, we've done all the Power Five quarterbacks coming back, Um, and right now, I mean, I don't know if any of them deserve anything higher than third round grades. So, what does that tell you? I mean. Maybe C.J. Stroud from Ohio State ends up being that guy or, you know, maybe Bryce Young. Maybe there's a couple of juniors into that mix. But, uh, you know, like a year ago, like the the thing that kills me about the draft process and it's good. It's it's entertainment. Um, I think you just look on social media and the eyeballs on this thing and the traction and where it's gotten to right now. There's so many people interested in it. It's a good thing. Uh, but, like, these way-too-early mock drafts and these prognostications about what he, next year's class is going to be, it's crazy. Like, a year ago, a really popular site had Emery Jones from Florida as the 10th pick in the draft, and now he's in the portal. So uh, we, have, we don't really know what next year's group is going to look like. This year's group, just based off, um, you know, everything I'm hearing from, from friends around the league, it sounds like Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, and Desmond Ritter um, will all go in the first round. I think there's some teams that think Sam Howell from North Carolina has a pretty good chance of being in the first round as well. And then uh, teams are kind of all over the place on Matt Corral. Um, and Matt was the only of the of the top seven quarterbacks. Matt was the only guy not here in Mobile because he was a, a junior and he hadn't graduated yet. Um, and I, I've got to know Maddie at some. At some camps over the last couple summers and uh really like the guy and you think he's really talented um so I, I think we could have you know four but I think it might end up being three or four and again I don't know if that's a reach I don't know if that's a push I mean Malik Willis is super talented Kenny Pickett and Desmond Ritter um are guys that I think are going to be winning quarterbacks at that level you know like I think Kenny Pickett's a better version of Kirk Cousins and Kirk Cousins has had a really good NFL career so far like he hasn't won a Super Bowl, but he's he's made a ton of money, and he's, he's won a lot of games and put up a lot of big numbers. So, uh, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I don't know if, if you're Detroit. I don't know if you want to defer to next year because I don't think any of us know what next year holds yet.
1: Yeah. Um, so what was it like two years ago when you got to uh, to personally invite a kid from a kind of your old backyard in Adam Troutman to the Senior Bowl? Yeah.
2: Uh, that was really cool, and I didn't—I had no idea Adam was from up in northern Michigan until until we really invited him. Um, it was crazy; like I did not know that through the fall at all. I can't remember at what point I learned that, but it was—I think it was before I went up. So he was the first year that we did like in-person invites. We did that with some small school players uh, that year. I went up to. Went to Ryan University in North Carolina for a safety, named Kyle a um, Division II player. Went up being the thirty-sixth pick in the draft of the Pats that year, um, and then I went up to Dayton for Adam, and uh, and yeah, no, it's really cool. His parents actually, I stayed in contact with Adam and his parents. They uh, they drove through Mobile. Oh, I think it was in December um and they called me up and we went to lunch together uh, so we already talked about like being up in Traverse City this summer and, and maybe getting together uh, just a great family Adam's a great 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 young man I think he's if he can stay healthy I think he's going to be a really good player for the Saints you know he's just kind of been nicked here and there his first couple of years in the league but uh I think they plan on Adam being their starter this year um and I'm going to try to get him over here to Mobile for our golf event. I haven't yet invited him, but uh, he's uh, he's going to be on the hopefully on the celebrity list for our for our uh, charity golf event here too. But uh, no, that's pretty cool. You know, we don't we don't have a ton of NFL players come out of Northern Michigan, so it was uh, it was pretty neat to uh, bring him down here a couple of years ago. That was that was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, speaking of that, have you, has there as Ryan Hayes at the Senior Bowl this year, and have you heard much about whether he could be uh, selected this year?
2: Um, uh, Ryan is going back to Michigan for his last year and so oh, he will, okay. yeah, he'll be in next taking the extra class. COVID year. Yeah. So he, he'll be in next year's class and we're, we're excited about, about him. You know, a good, a good buddy of mine from growing up is Jason Carmine, the, the AD there at West high school. Uh, we actually lived like we were like next door neighbors growing up. So when I get, when I get back up there in the summertime, like Jason and I, I'll go out and golf and, and, uh, He's been telling me about Ryan Hayes since he was in high school, so that's going to be kind of cool next year to scout him and um, you know, potentially get him down here in the Senior Bowl. That would, that would be another fun one.
0: Well, Jim, if you uh, need anyone to sub in for that Celebrity Golf Tournament, James or I are certainly willing to do that. <laughs> so just, just keep us in mind is all I'm saying.
1: All right,
2: guys. I, good I, I good play is
1: probably not required, I hope. <clears throat>
2: Well, not if, I, not if I played it, guys. No, if I played it, it's definitely not good golf. So, <laughs>
1: um, What positions coming into this year in the draft, um, from what you've seen, do you see are stronger or, or weaker than others as far as star power and, and just kind of the depth of that position in the draft overall?
2: Um, yeah, it's a, re- it's a good offensive tackle class. Um, it's a really good pass rush group. I think, like, if you didn't take – one of the pass rushers, if the lines don't take one at two, um, they could certainly circle back and get a really good one. You know, in the second, even the third round, there's probably going to be some guys that can come in and help situationally. Uh, maybe not as every down players, but guys that could get in the, uh, you know, kind of a sub downs sub downs grouping and, and get out there and, and do some good things. Those two groups, the tight end class is, is really deep. Um, it's the deepest group since it, just over the last four years of me working at the Senior Bowl certainly the deepest group um we've had usually we struggle to get to six guys that we we like is like we our goal is to get all our players drafted so um there's years where i don't really feel great about numbers five and six and this year we invited nine so we went short on wide because it's not a great wide out group um and we went heavy at tight end so that that's a really good group um you know, I think there's depth at running back. I think the interior D line class is, is certainly way better than a year ago. Um, you know, and it's a good linebacker class, It's a really athletic linebacker class. So, um, I was a big fan of Derek Barnes, who the Lions took last year in the fourth round out of Purdue. Uh, I was giving that line staff a little crap that they need to get get Derek on the field more, um, and I think that's the plan for Derek this year. I think he's going to be a good player for him, but. Yeah, like if they wanna if they wanna upgrade speed and athleticism at linebacker, this is certainly a good year to do it.
1: Yeah, and that seems to be their, their biggest needs. I mean, is uh, is edge rushers, maybe some depth at defensive tackle, even though they got some good guys last year and, and linebacker help especially.
2: Yeah, no, they, they they'll be able to find some meat help there. Um, and a lot of the guys that were down here at the senior bowl, I mean they're In both those groups, the edge rush group, I mean, you look at guys from the game, Jermaine Johnson is probably from Florida State, probably wouldn't take him at two, but he's probably going to go in the first round somewhere, but when you circle back, like, don't they have a pick at the end of the first round as well? Yeah,
1: 32. 32, From the Matthew Stafford trade.
2: Yeah, so like, boy, Mafe from Minnesota, who had a couple sacks in our game, Uh, Arnold Evichetti from Penn State, Um, there's there's. There's some there's going to be some they could actually double down at pass rush there if they wanted to and then that linebacker crew like Chad Muma from Wyoming is a really good player um, Channing Tindall from Georgia a guy that was part of that really good Georgia that historically good Georgia defense um, and then a guy that's having his pro day today Troy Anderson um, at Montana State you know ran high four threes that he's almost six foot four 240 pounds he ran like 4, three, eight, four three, nine. Um, and he, and he started his career as a quarterback and a running back there at Montana state. So like he's just scratching the surface. So yeah, they could, they could really load up on that front seven.
1: Okay. So we'll say that, uh, down the road, you get a job as an NFL general manager. Uh, how would you handle your team being on hard knocks?
2: (laughs) Carefully, (laughs) uh, you'd have to be careful where, uh, I've talked to some friends that have had, they've been in this position, and they've all had like code words on when you, when the cameras were around, or you had a hot mic on, and you were, and in, in, uh, if someone walked up to them, kind of a code word to let people know that you got a hot mic. But uh, no, I, it should be interesting. I think Dan Campbell's going to going to steal the show. Um, just being around him for a week down here, we had an event during Senior Bowl week called the Senior Bowl Summit that we've done the last four years. Um, Kirk Herbstreit came down and hosted it and we had uh, a bunch of college coaches on these different panels. It was like Nick Saban and Steve Sarkeesian and uh, James Franklin from Penn State. A bunch of guys. And uh, and Dan Dan and Robert Sala, the head coach of the Jets, were the first panel. And uh, and the, the, the guy that moderated that panel, it wasn't Herbstreit, it was Joey Molinaro from... Uh, I know he used to be uh, at barstool. I don't know if Joey's got that barstool affiliation anymore. But you guys, you guys are on Twitter, so you know who Joey Molinaro is. Oh yeah, he does um, some
1: pretty funny skits.
2: Yeah, he's such a great impressionist. And uh, so he was the one interviewing the two NFL head coaches, and his back and forth banter with Dan Campbell. Like people, people come up to me almost on a daily basis, tell how much they love that part of the. That part of the program because like you could have just put joey and dan up there and they could have carried about a two-hour show i mean just the two of them going back and forth so i think uh i think dan campbell's gonna gonna become kind of a national celebrity after this hard knocks thing
0: well jim thank you very much we've taken up uh more time certainly than i said uh we were going to we uh, appreciate you joining us uh on, on this monday uh for the get around and uh, just appreciate your insight and uh candor with us
2: yeah guys thanks for having me on i appreciate it and uh hope it starts getting warm up there in tc for you guys <laughs> I, know it's, I know you've had some, some cold spells so i hope spring comes pretty soon
0: yeah i don't think it's gonna happen i'm just i've given up on on that happening at all so <laughs> i was optimistic uh, about a week all right thanks again jim
2: all right guys take care
0: All right, big thanks again to Jim. Uh, that was, uh, uh, James, as you said, you could have talked to him for an hour. I mean, I saw your list of questions, and at one point I slid you a note that just said one more question on it, like one more, and then we got to let him go. And <laughs> which I didn't see. And you didn't see, which I, you know, it seems to make sense because I think after I slid you that note, uh, you probably asked, I think, four more questions. <laughs> so, but it was fine. And, and, you know, it, it was great. It was really awesome to have him on. It, it's different from what we normally do on this podcast, so I, I think it was a nice, fresh change of pace for us.
1: Yeah, as an NFL draft nerd, I would I could have just like sat there and geeked out with him for like an hour and just been like, "Well, okay, who has the better pass rush moves? Who has the better bull rush? Is it Thibodeau or is it Hutchinson? Who has the better uh, you know, this and that?" and and just all these players that are kind of linked to the Lions and stuff. I, and that's why you can tell he's so good at his job, because he has the answers to
0: those questions. right? He gives us knowledgeable answers to those
1: questions, which is why it was so, it was so great to talk yeah, to him. Yeah, and he's a scout himself, so he knows how to evaluate these players too. So, I thought it was interesting that he didn't hesitate in saying Hutchinson over Thibodeau.
0: Alright, uh, let's move into the Get Around Hall of Fame. Like I said, we're not really, we can't induct anybody we already did our retroactive hall of fame last week uh and we don't have any athletes to talk about this week uh, because nothing happened last week but uh, i just wanted to let all of you know uh upcoming we do have our all region teams wrestling will be out april 17th following that will be hockey on april 24th girls basketball on may 1st and boys basketball on may 8th now there's also a possibility that all of those get moved up a week so we could have hockey coming out this Sunday uh, or I'm sorry wrestling coming out this Sunday uh, hockey the 17th uh, girls basketball May 24th and boys basketball May 8th so just be on the lookout for those definitely within the next four to five weeks we will have all of our all region teams all done all right into the duo Lipa like I said I haven't really had a chance to give this one much thought but uh, I did spend the weekend with Harrison Beebe over there of Seven and Four, watching the two-night WrestleMania event uh, because it is Harrison's fault now that I am fully back into pro wrestling, like fully, and just I'm in it, and I, <clears throat> I'm 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 37, and I shouldn't be, but. Damn, is it not a fun soap opera to watch. Uh, I, we were, Saturday night, we were watching, I think we had a watch party of like maybe ten people who were over, and we were all just hanging out, having a good time. And I was, for those of you who don't even know, I'm just going to say this, but f- for me, it was the, the Women's Raw Championship match, and I'm going to say two names that you don't even know, Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch. Nope. yeah exactly uh, I was cheering during that match by the end of it like I would if the White Sox won the World Series <laughs> but I seriously I, 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 <clears throat> I'm like oh dude you can't allow yourself to get this invested into pro wrestling it's you just can't but I but I now I think I'm just gonna lean into it So the duo Lipa question that I'm coming up with is, do you have any sort of embarrassing, either sports or pop culture, I get guilty pleasure that you've allowed yourself to to consume? Like I'll I'll even do it worse. I'll I'll say outside of sports and sports entertainment and pro wrestling, but I I don't know why. I think it was just because I was lonely. But I watched an, a full season of temptation island on usa and i've never said that out loud to anybody Oof. and now i'm telling you all, all of our listeners i just want you to know i want you to feel comfortable after that being like i'm not sure well, i this, am this, but this. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna have to move away a little bit <laughs> we, we you're gonna go back to doing the podcast from home <laughs> you yeah, have to do it remotely now yeah oh it was i'm that was like <laughs> shame like, every single week I was like, D- draw the curtains and, you know, turn. don't let anybody know. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, I mean, I, you get it. Like, people get sucked into those stupid reality shows
1: sometimes. And we're not immune to it, I get, or at least I wasn't. I, I have made uh, a concerted effort to avoid reality TV. Um, You know, anything like the Kardashians or as have i any of that kind of stuff even like american idol you know that type of stuff when i was a kid i was heavy into wrestling though into like wwe you know and even before that what was it uh there was what was the one that had like magnum ta and dusty roads nw there was wcw uh there was also ecw this was like pre before that oh even before that
0: i well i couldn't tell you yeah. I, I I mean I, all I know was from my time back in like the, the 80s rock and roll and, express in early '90s is that when it was the WWF, you know before it became the WWE, mm-hmm. that was legal battle with the World Wildlife Fund.
1: Yeah, but like pre pre that there was actually a second one that was like legit, big and had like their own TV, you know thing. And it was like on Saturday mornings back then, like it was the alternative to cartoons. Was watching pro wrestling. Yeah. And it was like what was done like the previous week, or something. It wasn't live and all that. But I used to I used to actually get uh, the magazine, like the professional wrestling magazine, when I was a kid. I used to ride my bike. And and I would to go to Kmart the, and I would go through the rankings. Blah blah blah. But I was also uh, I don't know I wasn't you know I'm pretty nerdy kid. I used to listen to like the top forty thing every week casey Kasem. yeah every week and like when i think it was when money for nothing like got taken out of being number one i was like upset
0: probably one of the greatest introductions to any song ever those that first like what 90 seconds of money for nothing by dire Straits. it is whenever that comes on i right at that part you know that blam bah- 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 Oh, as soon as that hits my my knob on my car, it only goes up to 40. It goes all the way up to 40. That yeah. and and Freebird as well. Oh, and um, do you feel like I do from uh, Frampton Comes Alive? Frampton? That one I also yep. jack up. Yeah, just. Yeah. I'm Fr- trying to I'm trying to win back my man card here, <laughs> after admitting to watching <laughs> uh, Temptation Island. I'm like, guys, I like rock and roll, so.
1: I just remember being so mad at that. I'm like, how is it not number one? It should stay number one for forever, right? <laughs> I mean, this is like nine year old me or ten year old me or something, everything like that. I'm like, this will be number one forever. No one could, nothing could ever beat this. And when it when it finally went up, went from number one. It was number one for like a month or something, which was a long time. No, I, I think w- I, I would so imagine right it's it's a <clears> banger. I love that song and. I was just so incredulous and mad. I was probably too young to even know what the word incredulous meant. <laughs> but you know, but you know now. I know now.
0: All right, well, you skirted answering anything really embarrassing like I did, and I'm going to let you... No, I used, to get,
1: I used to get hardcore into wrestling. Like oh. I said, I, got the, I used to get the magazine every month, and I would go through the rankings. You know, they would have, like, their top ten in, like, each wake division, you know, and who held the Intercontinental title, and, you know, and all this stuff like that. And then I would, like, kind of, like, create my own wrestler, you know, and then have, like, these imaginary matches against these people, and then work their way up the rankings. And I would do my own rankings.
0: Well, if you're afraid of getting back
1: into wrestling, I suggest not going
0: to any of Harrison's pay-per-view parties. (laughs) If you want to take a chance, get back into it. Uh, It took a while for me, but... I could just go and play beer pong. That is true. We did have several matches we were playing beer pong. With water in the cups,
1: by the way. Oh, yeah. That's that's Harrison's standard way of playing beer pong. Yeah,
0: just, I mean, we're all too old to be drinking, doing a, a drinking beer pong. So... All right, hey listeners, why don't you tell us some embarrassing stuff? And, and we don't, and
1: we don't. <laughs> Nobody ever sends anything in anyway.
0: <laughs> and we stopped giving away free Jimmy John sandwiches a long time ago because it was going to like the same two people every single week. So, all right, uh, that is going to wrap up episode two hundred and thirteen of the Get Around Podcast. A good one for sure. Uh, quite a show. I, I uh, enjoyed the discussion. Uh, I I think the the conversation with Jim Nagy was uh, certainly the highlight, but uh, I also enjoyed uh, this last little segment uh, between the two of us. So, again, look out for all those things that I had mentioned, uh, the feature coming up Sunday on Undercutting, and then our wrestling, hockey, uh, girls' basketball and boys' basketball, all region teams coming out. Uh, For James Cook, I am Brendan Queely. Episode 213 of the Get Around Podcast is in the books.